And I'm only going to read a few verses at the end, verse 19 uh, to 21. 1 John chapter 5. We know that we are the children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. So I want to focus just on these last words of this letter. Um, The last words that John writes in this letter. And oftentimes, it's a bit of a Hollywood cliche, I think, sometimes. The sort of the the dying words of the person, you know, the things that are most profound, you know. um, Or, I don't know. Yeah, they, they can be like that. And as a musician, actually, um, I was t- taught, make sure you get the first note right and the last note right. <laughs> because if you get the first note wrong, everyone's switched off before you've even played anything else. And if you play the last note wrong, it's quite likely, even if you've played everything else perfectly, they will remember that last note. <laughs> it goes like that. And, oh, and so many times, actually, I've, it's almost like you can see this note echoing around the church <laughs> like that and you're supposed to be ah and ah, the last note and um, <laughs> the last thing is we hear is often the thing that sticks in our mind and I, I can't tell you every last thing that ev- the people that I've you know have, have said to me as if like it's some profound thing but I can I'll tell you one story actually again it comes from our time in our previous church our, we had a, a minister who who left to go back home to America in I think it was 1998 if I remember correctly and I'd helped him sort of clear out some things and, and move some things out of his house and move things into storage and blah 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 that kind of thing and, and so I, he this is in London so, and I was living over in this area at the time so uh, he drove me to Waterloo Station and, and dropped me off at the station for me to get the train home and and at the time, the, the, how it was going to work is we hadn't really appointed another pastor. We just, there was a group of us, Louise included in this group of, we were kids really, um, were going to lead the church. Um, and, and, and I was part of that group. And um, with the hope that we would get a pastor, which we did eventually, uh, to, to lead the church. And he, he, I remember him stopping the car and, and we pulled up at Waterloo Station and he leant across and he said, Richard, you're going to make a great pastor. And I'm like... Oh, yeah, exactly, Keith. I was planning on being a musician. I had no plans to be a pastor. Um, you know, I mean, this was when I was a musician. And one, what was the beginning of being a musician, really? I was just starting out in a career of music, and I was wanting to be a, a musician. And if he'd said, you're going to lean across the car and said, you're going to be a great tuba player and, you know, take the world for storm in music, I'd have gone, yeah, rock on, amen, pastor. Let's, let's hear some more. But he said that, and it almost took, took me aback. And the fact that I can remember that, Stuck with me, and I have to say, um, those words of encouragement. Hmm? He was right. Because it's like, I sound great. No. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That prophecy came true. No, I have to say that through times of difficulty, you know, because I don't know if you realise, but sometimes things don't go always up, they always sometimes go down. And sometimes when I think to myself, hmm, I'm not such a great pastor today. Those words have encouraged me. I come back to those, those words. The last words he said to me, he didn't die. <laughs> he did. Well, I have spoken to him since, you know. But those are the last words he spoke to me uh, here. 
um, on British soil, as it were. And um, yeah, so I remember them. So anyway, so as I read this last section of First John, I was coming to prepare for today. Um, this last line jumped out at me. These last words, which is, Dear children, keep yourself from idols. And I'm thinking, where's that come from? I've spent the last however many months sort of immersing myself in this letter. And, um, and I'm thinking, this is a strange way to end. I don't know if you, based on the things that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, it's a bit of a strange way to end because... Well, first of all, he says, dear children. Now, that's not strange, because the way John talks here, he's, he's, you get a sense of his love, his care, um, his, his, his love for the Lord, but also his love for the people around him. And, and he speaks of God's family. So the idea that he re- addresses the people he's writing to is dear children. That, that's kind of, oh, yeah, well, that's familiar. That, that kind of makes sense. But the thing that he says afterwards, keep yourself from idols. It's like, what? Where's that come from? It's like... He's been talking about all this stuff, and then all of a sudden, just as a kind of like off the cuff, like, oh, by the way, just keep yourself from idols. Yeah, P.S., I'm off now. (laughs) Where'd that come from? A bit like when somebody says to a musician, you'll be a great pastor. Uh, Hang on, I wasn't expecting that. Because, you know, the the themes of this letter have been that, that Jesus has come in the flesh... He's fully human and fully divine. That's a big theme of the letter. Um, we've had the idea of, uh, uh, talks about the, our relationship to sin and how Jesus has overcome and Jesus has completely won the victory. Um, there's this idea of us being the children of God. That's in the letter there. There's, of course, the theme that we've looked at the last few weeks about love. It's all about love. It's love, love, love. There we go. There's no mention of idols in any of this letter. So why does he right at the end kind of go, like I say, P.S., Keep yourself from idols. It's an odd thing. Um, and I, the, the things with me, you may realise, I like odd things. <laughs> um, so I like these kind of, um, these little things that grab my attention. That's why I like you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll leave that there. Um, see, now idols, they were com- common in the ancient world. So maybe, maybe that's why. Um, you, you would have statues, these carved images um, that, that there were, there were all, all kinds of idols to all kinds of gods. Um, and, and particularly in the Roman world, you know, there was just so many different gods. And, and likewise, there probably would have been so many different idols, big ones, little ones. They're all over the place. And a recurring theme in the scripture, the, the Bible as a whole, not John's letter necessarily, but the Bible as a whole is there's one God and worship him don't worship idols. I mean, that's a pretty big theme in the Bible. Um, idols, they take our attention away from the true God. Um, they're fake substitutes. The Bible is quite disparaging about them, actually, sort of saying they're deaf and dumb. And, um, but the worship of them, worship of an idol, takes away our devotion and our worship of Jesus. Um, now, in our culture, you may be thinking, well, I've never seen an idol. You know, I've not walked down the street and found somebody worshipping an idol or, you know, we're not surrounded by statues of cows or monkeys or strange hybrid creatures. We don't have that stuff around us, do we? I mean, maybe I'm living in the wrong part of Adelston, but correct me if I'm wrong. But that, that's, is that the case? You're looking at me as if you say, no, I've got a few of them in my house. <laughs> no, um, well, it's just trying to think where there is one. Oh, okay, okay. But actually, well, if you go to some parts of the world, you, you will find people who are... Um, you know, have carved images and, and, and worship them. Um, 
And yeah, actually that thing in the, the totem pole is actually an example of, of something I suppose you could yeah, class that as an idol. Um, but in our world, in our culture, let's put it, in, in the Western world where we live here in Adelston, um, there are idols, um, but they just don't take on that physical form. They don't take on the physical form or the statue. Um, there, there are many altars that we worship false gods to. Um, take the cathedral that is the shopping mall, for instance. You know, cathedrals are built for us to worship God in. They're a space created uh, to, for us to go in. And in fact, one of the places we went into yesterday was a big church called Holy Redeemer, where we used to hire a hall off of there, another hermit existence that we had as a church. And we went in, and this place is cavernous. And it's, and it, but it's got... Um, stations of the cross around it and the idea is that you experience God in the, in the, the whole of the, the space there uh, whether you're into that or not that's one thing but that's, that's the whole point of the design of a cathedral or a big church but it's almost like shopping malls are designed in a similar kind of way by the way I'm not saying don't go shopping I mean we do need to get stuff but the way our world is is that it's designed sh- shopping centres to be like this kind of experience, this full-on immersive experience, this mecca almost of, like, this is where we come and worship materialism. This is where we come and get our stuff and, and we come and worship the gods of, of stuff. And now, of course, it's moved online. Um, but we're still worshipping the same thing, but just in a different form, a bit like we've moved church online over lockdown. It's kind of, it's the same God there, the God of materialism. And we even build places to, for it um, other idols you know we have we do have idols in physical forms they, they come in, in the shape like this <laughs> little bits of technology that we put in our hands and um, yeah how much time do we spend and devote to these these idols in our hands and and um, they captivate our attention don't they and they 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 draw us in and they take our time how much time do we spend worshipping at the idol of technology I'm not saying uh, 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 there's a great book actually we're talking about this um, called by Tim Keller called Counterfeit Gods and he he says we take things that are good and make them God there's nothing wrong with technology if we use it right but when it becomes our God and our, our focus same with stuff, you know, we do need to use stuff, we do need to eat stuff, we need all these things, but when they become our focus, then that's, that's when um, these things, we, we run into trouble. Um, you know, there are gods, there are other gods of success and wealth, these things that we say, yeah, I'm, this is the thing I'm giving my life towards, to be successful or to be wealthy. Then we make those kind of things idols. And, and even today, I would say we've, We've exalted the idea of the individual. The idea that we have the right to decide what is right and wrong. We have the right to define uh, things in what what we think and what I think is right. And I don't care what you think, but this is what I think. Um, Our own morality, our own ethics, our own identity even. And, And that very idea that it almost makes idols of each one of us. Because it's, been, it's the sacred cow at the moment, isn't it? We can't question these things and sort of say, hmm, is it okay to have an idea where God is speaking here rather than what you think? 
So, the scriptures teach that these false images, these false gods, these false promises, these false hopes, they're just as deaf and dumb as the idols that are made of wood and, and stone that you carve. And they're just as empty. They don't bring life. They don't bring freedom. They don't bring renewal. Only Jesus does. Only Jesus is the true God. Only Jesus is the perfect image of the Father. Only Jesus is there, the one who gives us life. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son, John says. He is the word of life. And so if you remember in John's letter, he's continually trying to say, Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the real deal. He's not a false, inanimate, mythical idea. He's not a dead, cold, static object. John had seen him. He touched him. He'd heard him. John had lived with him for three years. In fact, his enduring presence lived with John for a good 60 years after Jesus left this earth. Jesus came in the flesh and blood, John says. Jesus lived a real human life. He was fully man and fully God. He was experienced and witnessed by real people in real time, in a real place. He's not the same as these idols. Remember the opening lines of this letter that we read right quite a few weeks ago now. John says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. See, John's aim through this whole letter is to get our attention and our focus on Jesus, the living God. So at the end of it, you can understand now maybe why he says, little children, keep yourself from idols. They're two things, polar, polar opposites. They're not true gods in any way, shape or form. Only Jesus is. So keep yourself from idols. There's something there that says, guard yourself. Do, you need to do some work here because the world around you is going to keep bombarding you and tempting you to turn back to idols. It's something that... We have to actively be involved in guarding ourselves and protecting ourselves against the idolatry of the world. There's always a temptation to go back. Remember the story of the Israelites? If you don't know, that God saved them miraculously through the Red Sea um, and then Moses goes up to, to speak to God and get the Ten Commandments and he comes back down and what, they, what are they doing? They've made, <laughs> made a golden calf and said, this is what has delivered us, kind of things. Like, how did they, how did they manage that? But temptation... Very easy, very easy. We're, we're just the same as them, by the way. Don't think of oh, what a bunch of idiots they were, and that's not going to apply to us. It can easily apply to us, because we're surrounded by a world that just loves to make idols for whatever reason. So I think the best way, just to finish, the best way to do this is just to keep our eyes focused on Jesus, to keep meditating on him, and to be watchful of our own lives and our own attitudes um, in the light of his presence with us. And think, where is my attention? Where are my focuses? Where is, when we talk about worship, sometimes we think we're just talking about the singing bit of church. But actually we're talking about where is my, where is my heart? Where is my devotion each day and, and through the day? And as we reflect on Jesus... I believe that his presence will root out some of these idolatries and these idolatrous tendencies.
Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Let's learn to spot them. Let's learn to, to be aware of them in our lives. Because John says, keep yourself from idols, dear children. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we focus our eyes and our attention on you now. Particularly at this time of Christmas, we remember you come to us in flesh and blood. Emmanuel, God with us. The reality of the living God. The one true God. And Heavenly Father, forgive us where we turn to other things and seek what is only found in you in other places, where we make idols of things which are, are good things but not you, things that you've given to us to point to you rather than things that are you in, in themselves. I pray sift our hearts now. Let us, let us be aware of the, the idols that tempt us in our lives, maybe different for each people, different person here. But in all things, let us focus our eyes on you and know you, Jesus, and your truth and your reality. Lead us in the way we should go, Lord. Amen.